The Premier League season is over, but we still have the Champions League and the Europa League to come. And Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score a number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from the Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and I'm joined now by Alex Stewart. Good. Oh, it's an afternoon, isn't it? Good afternoon, Joe. Seb Stafford Bloor. Hi, Joe. And uh, James Horncastle. Hello. Hello, James Horncastle. How are you? Wonderful, Joe. That was very, I don't know whether it was University Challenge uh, from you, but it was, uh, I appreciated the intro. Well, the great Paxman, I'm happy. I'm happy for the comparison. Uh, would I be correct in thinking, probably not, but that you are sat on some wonderful Italian villa, eating a pink ice cream, drinking some kind of fizzy lemon drink uh, on the back of a Vespa? Is that right? <laughs> so sat on a villa on the back of a Vespa. Um, yeah, that's yeah, all very dangerous. Like yeah, it does. Um, but no, I am. Uh, I'm currently locked down. I do have a nice espresso next to me. Um, Ooh, but uh, that's about it. There's very little, little in the way of Dolce Vita glamour uh, oh. going on behind my that's laptop screen as we speak. Okay. Don't meet your heroes, gang. Anyway, uh, we're here today to um, to do another Sensible Transfers episode. Sorry about that. That was very rude. Uh, and uh, we're talking all about Serie A. If you hadn't already uh, realised, James is, is, of course, a Serie A expert. And he's here to make sure that we don't wander into choppy seas. Before we get there, let me remind you that you can get 40% off uh, an annual subscription to The Athletic by visiting theathletic.com forward slash TIFO transfers. Uh, I believe that works out to be about £3 a month or some some uh, small amount of money like that. Uh, there you can read all of James Horncastle's fine work on uh, Serie A. Uh, Alex has even been writing some things recently, uh, nice, a nice uh, analysis of Hoiberg, for example. And of course, all of the other wonderful things and people that you'll find behind the fated paywall. Uh, do give it a try. That's theathletic.com forward slash TIFO transfers. Anyway, without further ado, I shall leave you in the cool embrace and the warm hands of uh, James Horncastle. Da, 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 da. Okay, we are starting with Inter Milan. We're going to try and cover as many clubs as possible, uh, but we'll probably run out of time, so apologies for anyone that missed off the end. Inter, first a question comes from Joe Beckwith on YouTube. Uh, Joe Beckwith asks, what's next for Conte's Inter? What areas should they be targeting to challenge properly for the league next year? Uh, because according to Joe Beckwith, Juventus seem to be there for the taking at the moment. James, what would, what would you say to Joe Beckwith? Well, they probably need to resolve Antonio Conte's future first, which will only happen after um, their Europa League campaign comes to a conclusion. He's due to have talks with um, the, what, 20-something president of Inter, Steven Zhang, uh, once that is finished. Because despite having what I would say um, has been a pretty good first season, um, Conte has given the impression of being pretty dissatisfied 
um, with uh, signings, uh, with leaks to the media, all these kind of things that I think, you know, he felt that he could shape the team in this image and he hasn't really been able to do that um, despite Inter breaking the transfer record for him twice, despite them paying 20 million for Christian Eriksen in January when he would have been available for free from uh, February the 1st onwards. So they need to do that. And then I suppose, in fairness to Conte, there are certain targets or certain positions that they did not uh, fulfill um, either last summer or in January. For example, he really wanted a backup striker because you can never have too many strikers if you're Antonio Conte. He wanted Edin Dzeko <laughs> uh, last summer. Um, I was at Daniel De Rossi's last game uh, for Roma and Dzeko was substituted in that game. And it, it felt that like he was so close to Inter that he was booed off. Um, and then that didn't happen uh, for a variety of reasons. And then they agreed personal terms with Olivier Giroud in January, only for Giroud's move to be kind of scuppered by them being unable to get a deal done for Ericsson at a cheaper price. So they probably also need another another right-sided centre-back, um, given that uh, Milan Skriniar has has struggled a little bit to adapt from the change um, uh, with the change from a, a back four to a back three. Um, Goudin as well, whilst he's sort of done okay in this kind of Europa League bubble hasn't really convinced um, over the course of the entire season. Um, so I think that's something um, that they need to address. And and then maybe the left wing back position as well, um, because it hasn't really been entirely satisfactory, I think, uh, in terms of that future having, that position having much of a future, because Ashley Young has actually done much better than uh, many of the other UK or British imports to Serie A in, in recent times, he's been he's been pretty damn good actually since since January, but he's in his mid thirties. So I think they'll they'll look at that and see if uh, if there's something to be done there. Do you know I have to say on uh, Ashley Young, I, I did feel for him a little bit in his last couple of years at Manchester United because I always thought his performances uh, deserved more than the sort of constant criticism that uh, that he got from uh, from supporters. But uh, anyway, you started by talking about a striker. That's great because Bart <laughs> Bosson asks for a replacement for Latoura Martinez on the assumption that he's leaving. I mean, firstly, James, do we do we think that's that's happening? I think it's very difficult for, for Barcelona to do that deal um, because uh, his buyout clause, um, which I think was around 112 million euro, expired um, at sort of the beginning of uh, June or July. can't remember now. Ah. Everything's a blur. Um, and uh, in a normal market, I suppose, considering how well Lautaro had played in the first six or seven months of the season, that, that, that fee seemed on the cheap side. Um, so now the ball is very much in Inter's court. You know, they can uh, demand whatever they want for him. And I think there's a feeling that, you know, Barcelona just don't have the liquidity and they don't have the the kind of bargaining chips um, to send uh, Inter's way um, in order to kind of uh, persuade them um, to sell Lautaro. And you can only imagine what Conte's reaction would be um, to the club letting a, yeah. a player of his talent go when Conte feels like he needs him to sustain this title challenge that he's uh, he's on. Yeah, that's really interesting. Can I ask, uh, related to his um, buyout clause, uh, I know we can't remember exactly when it was, but do you remember if in an ordinary season without uh, the break and without the restart and without the delayed transfer window opening, would, that, uh, would, would there have been a, a period at the beginning of an ordinary transfer window for that? Uh, buyout clause, to, buyout clause to be to be used, or was it always going to expire before whenever the transfer window opened? Do you know? Because that seems like a sort of an odd situation, doesn't it? 
I don't have the exact details to hand, but there was a, there was a very kind of small window of opportunity for a interested party to um, ah. exploit that buyout clause. I think it was something like a two week period, and then once it expired, obviously now Inter can can do what they want. Um, I need to check whether. Um, it's the same story in next season, um, whether that time frame, uh, that window of opportunity is open again. Um, but I mean, Inter have got some insurance, I would say, because uh, this kind of answers the question under the assumption that he leaves, is that Alexis um, Sanchez has has really kind of done pretty well when he's been fit and available. Um, that was the case when he, he joined and he joined what more or less the final days of the summer transfer window. He then went off on international duty. He came back. He he played pretty well against Sampdoria, even though he got sent off like early in the in the first half in the second half. Um, but there was enough there that he thought, "Wow, actually, okay, Sanchez, there's 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 still the there's still flickers of the of the Sanchez that got us all excited when he was at Udinese, Barcelona, and Arsenal." Mm. And then he suffered a, a a pretty bad injury, an ankle injury, which required surgery in the next international break when it was at October time. And Conte lost him for all that time. And then you have the lockdown happens. But they, from what he's done over um, since the restart, um, he's been mightily impressive um, and has had a good relationship on the pitch, either playing with uh, Lautaro or Lukaku. Um, I think it was 10 goal involvements, um, seven assists, three goals, um, which I think, you know, convinced Inter to A, do the deal on a permanent basis. And, you know, if the worst comes to the worst and, and Lautaro does agitate for a move and Barcelona do find a way of, of uh, financing that deal, then I think uh, Alexis is a kind of in-house, in-house solution there. Uh, Alex, then, let's come to you. Uh, in the case of, uh, well, that Lautaro does leave, um, would you, would you, do you think there's a replacement out there for him beyond uh, Alexis Sanchez as an in-house option? I think someone that we mentioned uh, in the context of the Man City discussion might be worth looking at, Jimmy Avia. Um, I mean, I think it's it's very difficult to replace someone like Martinez, obviously. Um, but if you if you want somebody who's going to be a nuisance to use their movement to create space for Lukaku, um, who is also capable of scoring themselves, then Avia is a is a good option there. Um, an interesting one that occurred to me, which would would never happen, but um, in a similar sort of mould as Neil Mopé um, at Brighton, um, it, I think obviously it's going to be a step up. But he's he's very good in terms of movement, in terms of creating space. He's got a bit of um, not a well, no, he is quite aggressive, but he's he's got a bit of nastiness to him, um, which I think Conte, if Conte stays, is is always keen on um he's quick um and that sort of movement to to create space for others is is useful i mean i th- i think the issue that the inter have as well is that in terms of the the players that create for them um you know the the top assist providers are sanchez candreva uh, biragi who i think they're extending the loan of um from fiorentina but you know they're all they're all old guys or they're not necessarily bedded into the squad as well so I think there's there's an argument that they need to start bringing in a bit more creativity that that's younger they have people like Stefano Sensi in the squad who I think can do that from a different position Nicola Barella as well um, but it's it's quite an old team in terms of its reliance on on those players for goals and assists and I think that's something that that they need to be conscious of. 
James, can I just ask, with this animus between Conte um, and the club, how much agency does he actually have over recruitment this summer? He has a lot of agency um, because he was recruited by his former chief executive at Juventus. Um, and, you know, that was done on the understanding that he would have uh, considerable say, not in the kind of old school English manager style, but um, it has very much the project that Inter is. If, if you can't, it's not so much that if you can't beat them, join them, but they have more or less put in place the the structure at the club that was that kind of started this cycle of nine years uh nine consecutive league titles at juventus um marotta was a, a key part in that and in some respects i think that's why conte has been so emboldened in making some of the comments that he's made um you know be it in in the winter when he was saying look we just don't have the depth to compete we've signed players from Cagliari, we've signed players from sassuolo um, yeah, we are into, we should be buying kind of established elite players, um, even though those two players, Sensi and Barella, have been really good for them. And in fact, I would say that to your point, uh, Alex, um, Sensi's injury has been a massive miss for Inter because he was probably the most exciting kind of uh, playmaker that they've had since since Wesley Schneider. Um, so I think this is uh, ultimately with Conte. I think he he feels that um, the, the team needs equipping in a certain way. He's got a kind of shield um, from from the ownership in in the form of Marotta. Um, just how patient the ownership is, because you know we're t we're talking about Inter's owners, the Chinese, um, Stephen Zhang before lockdown was was almost always in uh, almost always in Milan but yeah since the pandemic hit he's been back in China and there is always the risk that certain comments get lost in translation um, and uh, yeah I think Conte's you know pushing it as far as he possibly can um, to get the signings he needs um, but the thing is uh, Seb is that you, you look at the bench that they've had in towards the end of the season you know Christian Eriksen and Alexis Sanchez have been Guys, he's gone to from the bench. I mean, that's 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 pretty impressive depth um, by by most standards. Whatever you think of those players and what the stage that, that that they're at in their careers. Hey everyone, James Richardson here from the Totally Football Show. Listen, eleven months on, we're finally getting to the best bit of this football season because the Champions League and Europa League are about to restart at the sharp end. Last eight knockout tournaments await in Portugal and Germany and we'll be following both competitions with special nightly podcasts every single match day ready for you to download first thing in the morning. So have your breakfast with Honigstein, Horncastle, Cox, Gurianov and all your other totally favourites and me as we wave goodbye to this epic footballing year in style. Our daily Totally Summer Special is available on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. And of course, you can also listen to it ad-free on the Athletic app. Okay, uh, I, feel, I feel like it's going to feel like this every time we move on from a club that we could spend the entire podcast talking about Inter, but we must move on. Uh, Ju Juventus. Juventus is next. Uh, Shish Thomas uh, starts us off, and we're going to take this step by step because there's quite a lot to get through with Juve. With Pirlo coming in, how will Juventus's transfer policy change? Uh, now, James, I'm going to put that to you, but also with the caveat that we have no idea, presumably... Well, the, the club has uh, pretty clear needs, irrespective of who the manager is. So I think um, the positions are the same. 
uh, perhaps the the skill set of of the player in those positions is is different, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's been apparent since the start of last season that they've they've needed another striker, someone who is capable of uh, kind of running in behind, um, occupying um, centre backs, pinning them back, or, or, or being a threat in the air. Anything that can basically distract and, and create space for for Cristiano, who, you know, contrary to a lot of what people what a lot of people thought, um, yeah, he hasn't developed into a kind of uh, penalty box striker or a, or a poacher um, since since leaving Real Madrid. He he likes to play off the left, and I think. Mario Mandzukic is, um, well, he was essentially frozen out and marginalised um, at the start of, uh, of this season. Um, he didn't accept a move away. Um, he stuck around until they offloaded him in January. But I think Cristiano missed um, that profile of striker. So I think it's actually going to be very interesting to see what they do when they address this kind of need for a number nine. Do they go with someone like Arkadius Milik, the Napoli striker, um, who is um, tall and capable in the air, but he's someone who can also, um, you know, kind of play quick combinations in the final third, bring others into play. That that seemed to be very much the kind of striker that uh, Maurizio Sarri uh, would have liked to have had uh, with him. And then, um, you know, maybe someone who's a little bit more physical in the in, in the Mansukic mold, like uh, a Duvan Zapata or or something like that. So. But there are there are loads of positions that Juventus need um, need to look into. I mean, the fullbacks has been a real problem um, really since Stefan Licksteiner left. I mean, they've 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 almost had like kind of one year rentals of like Danny Alves, which was a kind of a, a experiment to try and make the team more attacking and quote unquote more European. Um, and he walked away and was complaining that you know the club just were kind of half hearted in in going in that direction. Um, they then had uh, Cancelo. Who's who's now at uh, at Man City, essentially because um, they could get a lot of money for him and they needed that um, last year for kind of their own uh, balance sheet and financial fair play uh, reasons. Danilo, who came the other way, has been disappointing in my opinion. Even though he scored what 14 seconds into his debut, replacing <laughs> an injured Mattia De Chilio, that has kind of been the the story of of that position all, all season with Juan Cuadrado having to be reinvented um, as a right back um, you know Cuadrado is uh, can play more or less anywhere on that on that flank you know right full back right wing back right midfield as a number eight right wing but uh, it's a problem position uh, for yeah. them and he's 32 right Cuadrado yeah he's 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 32 he's, he's done a good enough job but he's not a natural not a natural fullback um yeah well i tell you what let's pause here because this is the only uh sensible transfers uh, uh question in the, in the traditional form that i felt comfortable including on the basis that and we'll come back to talk about the midfield more uh, but that we don't know how pillow is going to want to, uh, to to play with his team uh, whereas this uh, as you mentioned at the beginning is an is an obvious place that, that needs addressing so uh i put this to alex as well um this question came from at Big B asking for a right back. Um, uh, can you can you please, Big B? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the point that you make about Pillow is really strong. I mean, obviously, um, you know, Sarri was playing four at the back. Pillow has often himself played as as part, well, in a team that's using a back three. So it's difficult to know necessarily which of those systems he's gone for or he will go for. Um, Milan seemed keen for some reason to get rid of a right back um and david calabria i think is a really really strong 
uh, prospect, still a prospect, I guess. I think he's 23. Uh, and if if Milan want to get rid of someone, then maybe a cheeky bid for him. Also within Serie A, um, Paolo um, Giglioni. <laughs> ah, yeah, Giglione. Yeah, I'm glad there's someone here that can correct my pronunciation. <laughs> that was like the scene just... from Inglorious Bastards when they try and go to the cinema, isn't it? <laughs> you're, you're the third best yeah. Italian speaker here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going I mean, to make a jingle for, for your mispronunciations, Alex, and we're going to start are, playing it every time it happens. consistent and terrible. Um, the reason I like him is that, I mean, he's got five assists this season. Um, he's physically robust. But he can he can either play as a as an orthodox right back or as a right wing back or potentially even as a right midfielder. So it gives that kind of flexibility for a young coach who's coming in, doesn't necessarily know what his best system is and, and how the process of transitioning from a very, very kind of fixed system style that was quite differentiated from how Juventus were put together as a squad, um, that flexibility would probably be useful. I, I just want to chuck one name actually at James for the striker role. Manolo Gabbiadini is still kind of bouncing around at Sampdoria. Doesn't necessarily seem to have much of a home. I, I really liked him when he was a Southampton player, although that didn't work out. Is is he the sort of person who might have that flexibility? Gabbiadini's time um, for a kind of step up of, of this of this kind of uh, level, I think, has, has passed. I think he's... He's at the right place where uh, for him now, which is Samp, which is a club he left for Napoli, which was, I suppose, his his big opportunity, um, and it didn't quite it didn't quite work out for him there. I also think Juventus they kind of want they would like to get younger um, in that position um, because they had Moisey Ken, and ultimately they ended up selling Ken. I think for for financial reasons, in that he was a homegrown player and he was all profit when they they when. So when they couldn't sell Dybala to to Spurs or Manchester United because essentially Dybala said I'm not going anywhere, they they sold Ken instead, and I, I think yeah that's a shame um, because he he had a great spring um, last year um, in the first team. I also think the the player in that position has to be credible to Cristiano, <laughs> um, and um, yeah I think as much as Pirlo will have a say in in recruitment and you know. Uh, this week in which we're recording they've had a series of meetings to uh to on strategy i think cristiano's what cristiano feels he needs in that uh in that position is also going to be pretty key was he in the meetings no no cristiano's on holiday Um, (laughs) but i'm sure he's i'm sure he's he's had a had a way to uh, to make his his feelings known James, can I introduce a really obvious name here? It just seems a bit strange to me, that given Juve's need. Um, did they hold any interest in Ashraf Hakimi? Because he seems such a logical um, yeah. evolution from Quadrado. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, that's a really good fit, um, Seb. Um, to be honest, so far they've they've they're principally focused on 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 a left back rather than a, on 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 a right wing back. Um, and Inter did so well. In uh, in kind of uh, catching everyone whilst they were sleeping with that, because from what I can gather, that that deal was pretty much done in March, even though it kind of only broke in in June time. So they 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 stole a march on uh, wow football cliche there um, on, <laughs> on on the competition there. So I'm actually still quite curious to see what Juventus do in that uh, in that right back right wing back um, position because. Um, it's quite a tricky one, actually, um, to find uh, to find a good player in. 
Okay, Eric asks for a midfielder, which was pretty broad, uh, but I've deliberately <laughs> included it so that we can cover a couple of different areas here because uh, Blaise Matuidi has, of course, left for Inter Miami, uh, which is David Beckham's American project. Pjanic has been swapped for, for Artemelo from Barcelona, although that does appear, I'm not entirely sure, it does appear to be for reasons other than him necessarily being specifically requested. Uh, <laughs> there were also rumours about Benton Kerr leaving, although no idea how substantiated they are. And people are always talking about Rabiot leaving as well. Uh, so whatever happens, there could be a lot of change in the in this area. It seems like an area of uh, of upheaval. Um, but given that we're unclear about how how Pirlo wants to play, James, what would you expect to happen in the midfield zone? Well, under Sarri, this was a big problem because it was clear that the personnel was uh, ill adapted to to how he wanted to play football. And um, old, yeah. <sighs> Quite, but then again, you look at someone like uh, Miralem Pjanic, for example. Pjanic uh, seemed to have everything um, that yeah. Sarri wanted. Um, you know, in his first press conference, he said he wanted uh, yeah, Pjanic to have 150 touches a game. Um, that if uh, Pjanic uh, didn't succeed, it was it would be Sarri's failure. Um, and ultimately, he's 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 moved to Barcelona um, in a. Yeah, a move that does get Juventus younger in that position and does bring in someone who is, uh, by all accounts, technically gifted. I haven't, I must admit, I haven't seen a lot of Artur. But, you know, ultimately this was about um, about two teams getting um, sizable profits on their balance sheet by the by June 30th. Um, as for the rest of the midfield, I mean, you mentioned Rabiot is always linked with a move away. Rabiot had a fairly strong end to the season, but um, I think as with so many players at Juventus, um, particularly the ones that have arrived on a free transfer, um, th- there's always a temptation to cash in on those players um, because it's all profit. So you know that's that's true of of him. Um, it's true of of Aaron Ramsey, even though Ramsey wants to stay, wants another crack at uh, at City after after his first year there. Kadira, they'll have they'll have problems getting a fee for because um, you know his age and. His wage is is huge, you know, sort of six million euro net a year. So, yeah, you know, this is this is going to be a uh, maybe a theme of Juventus this summer as they look to bring their wage bill down. Um, is that they've already let Matuidi go essentially for nothing, um, just to get his wages off their payroll, and they might do that with another player. I, mean, I think Kadir is the first one that comes to mind, and then there's obviously Gonzalo Higuain. Um, you know, Higuain who is in the final year of his contract, which is huge and uh, a big burden on the club so i think that's that's uh, that's another th- that's going to be a hallmark of juventus's business over over this summer but they need to skill up that midfield mm. and yeah i think the only one who's truly convinced and i don't think is on the market is is rodrigo bentancur who's been yeah who looks looks like a, a phenomenal player in the making someone who can play as a number eight probably their best pressing midfield player as well and um and may evolve into a into someone who who can play in front of the defense and set the tempo of the team's passing as well so you know he's the only one i look at and think think of as being absolutely safe yeah okay lovely player uh okay that's you've done when we come back we will do fiorentina okay fiorentina uh, Pushkar Kulkarni, only one question for Fiorentina, would like a replacement for Chiesa, since according to Pushkar, he looks set for a move uh, to Juventus. Do tell me more, Dr. J. <laughs> Dr. J, love it. Is that fine? Um, Happy with that? Yeah. Very familiar, isn't it? Julius Irving, brilliant. Um, look, uh, with Chiesa, uh, he, I think, has had a disappointing uh, season. He ended 
the campaign well. Um, yeah, came back kind of firing after the restart when uh, Beppe Acchini, the Fiorentina manager, decided to use him in a different role in the three-five-two, basically move him back uh, to playing as a right wing back, um, but like in a kind of asymmetric um, kind of way with uh, the defense kind of shuffling across from left to right to allow Chiesa to push up. Um, but, you know, as, as, as some kind of uh, high-level coaches have said to me, do you really think paying 70 million for a guy who has only just has only got into double figures in terms of goals in Serie A because he scored a hat-trick against Bologna two weeks before the end of the season? Apart from that, that yeah, it, it was going to be another kind of six assists, seven goals um, kind of year. I think it's going to be actually quite difficult for Fiorentina to um, get someone to pay their asking price in, in this market. Um, so yeah, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be interesting to, um, to follow. I mean, we're talking about right wing backs at Juventus at, uh, at Inter. I mean, obviously Hakimi's going, going to San Siro. Maybe, um, you look at him if, if, if Pirlo ends up playing a three, five, two, um, or even a four, three, three, then maybe Chiesa works there, but the, the price, um, that, uh, he would command, I think makes it very difficult in this, in this environment. Um, and then to replace him, were he to leave, um, they've already got Ricardo Sotil, um, who's 21, uh, a winger um, within the, the existing setup. He's shown uh, promise this year. For the right wing back, they already have Paul Lirola. I think they would go for a striker at Fiorentina um, because that's been a bit of an issue for them um, this season, getting kind of consistent numbers of goals from a kind of centre forward. So, yeah, they've been linked with bringing Mario Mandzukic back um, from... I think he's he's been in Dubai for the last four months, um, not on holiday, Lovely. playing, um, but you know, playing for that club where Juventus tend to send uh, players like Mehdi Benatia and uh, and their North Korean striker Han as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, were they to move him on, they would look for they would look for a striker. Uh, Alex, I'll come to you now because this is a question I put to you before the podcast. Would you have a replacement for Chiesa in the uh, maybe unlikely scenario that he does leave? I mean, I agree with everything that that James has said in terms of, I mean, my my notes about this are that you know, w- what are you asking for a replacement for? Is it is it in the wing back role? In which case, I think Lerola is looks really really good. I I agree with James that actually, what you're really asking for there is is kind of a striker. But actually, Chiesa, when Chiesa was playing as a striker, he was he was sort of more either floating off a proper centre forward or even playing alongside Ribéry as two kind of very very floaty, not really forwards. Um, I think somebody who has the versatility of being able to play off the wing as well as through the centre would would be sensible. Um, I've I've gone for Kaita Balda um, or Balde um, yeah. who had an outstanding season for Lazio back in 2016-17 and scored 16 goals. Um, he's he's quick and, and, and strong and can play through the middle, but he gives that flexibility. I mean, Fiorentina have been quite a kind of tactically inconsistent team, um, so it's not necessarily clear, again, exactly what it is that they're asking for, but someone like Balda, who's experienced in, in Serie A, um, who can play in a variety of different positions and and fulfil different functions within different systems might be a reasonable shout. Okay, exciting stuff. Uh, let's move on to Lazio, 
Lazio. Pacific Dream, a uh, question from YouTube, Pacific Dream, uh, asks for a backup for Lucas Leiva because the team uh, have struggled without him. James, what do you think? Yeah, Lucas, I mean, he was their player of the year last year um, in 2018-19 when they won the cup. Um, and yeah, he's been kind of invaluable as just someone who breaks play up and gives it to their best guys to go to go and do their best work. And they, when he got hurt, I mean, he had surgery when um, the team went into lockdown and, and wasn't ready uh, when they came back. And as you say, they really missed him. I think they could do with someone in the kind of Martin Darun kind of mold um, to to take his place. I don't I don't think that's that's feasible, uh, really, given that uh, he's at Atalanta and doing very well there. Um, but uh, and David Silver obviously is not going to be signed to to uh, basically be a destroyer in front of the defence um, for um, for Lazio as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love I'm, to see it though. <laughs> I'm curious to see what they they do there. Maybe they just back Cataldi, who you know since coming back from loans with Genoa and Benevento did actually pretty well um, off the bench um, last year. Okay, Alex, uh, I, I put it to you also a backup for Lucas Leverpool for. I think Cataldi deserves a crack. Um, it's it's lovely to hear praise for Martin Darun, who I don't think anybody envisaged when he left Middlesbrough that he would go on to be part of the most tactically exciting side in Europe, but there we go. Yeah. Um, I I think that someone who can shield the back four, but also is a little bit more dynamic um, is, is a good idea. Not that I would want a player that I really like to go to Lazio, um, but uh, free Lucas Torreira from Arsenal. Um <laughs> He's, you know, he he was exceptional at Sam sitting at the base of a of a midfield diamond. Um, he's got good positional awareness. He's not really been used, I think, properly at Arsenal. Um, he's got a bit more dynamism. He's able to play slightly more exciting passes when he wants to, but he will be disciplined and and positionally astute and and mop up stuff in front of a back four. Um, and it's just not worked out at Arsenal for whatever reason. I think they're redesigning that midfield there, um, and it would be a real shame to see someone like Torreira, if he's not used at Arsenal, just sort of fall off to the wayside, so maybe coming back to Italy would be a sensible move for him. Um, one player as well that I really, really like is Manuel Aguate, who's over in Uruguay. He's a 19-year-old defensive midfielder, um, and Uruguay appears to be producing really really good midfielders at the moment and he very much is that sort of you know screen mop up do the simple things really really well he deserves a move to Europe um, as soon as possible I think and, and he would be very good in that role. Okay I'll stick with you Alex uh, because Kelly Beck on Twitter asks for a replacement for Senna Lulic on the basis of his age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I may have I mean, paraphrased it, that. <laughs> it, it's tricky. Um, how have you paraphrased it? What does it say? Like, uh, I don't. I don't want to know. Um, <laughs> Mihailo Rastic um, at Montpellier. Um, I. Th I think the thing with Lulic is that he's he's been extremely useful for Lazio as as a versatile option. So he's played as a left back, a left wing back, a left midfielder. I think he's potentially even played as a central midfielder on rare occasions. Um, and Rastic is a similar kind of versatile player, generally left-sided, um, is also um, 
you know, fairly able to get forwards and contribute from an attacking perspective, but will just sort of slot in and and do the you know the simple things very very well uh, and ensure that that flank is kind of tied up. The same question to you, please, James. Which was a, a replacement for Senad Lulic? It's hard because Lulic is the captain. He's probably their longest-serving player of uh, certainly this kind of cycle, um, and uh, they certainly missed him uh, when he was injured uh, uh, since the restart. I mean, again, this is the Lazio just had a catastrophic uh, final week going into the restart in terms of injuries. In terms of replacements, I think they would probably look to um, reunite the tandem that was so successful at Spal, which is Manuel Lazari, um, who was on the on the right hand side that they signed uh, last summer, and bring in Mohamed Fares, um, who was on the left. Fares was was excellent in the, um, uh, what was it uh, the season before last? Um, uh, yeah, his injury and 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 Lazari's um, departure were kind of kind of critical really in 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 Spal um going down and the other the other name that's been mentioned is that of Marcus Acuña the Argentine um who's what 28 plays for Sporting in Portugal um who's a number 9 who can play at left center back which is brilliant um <laughs> but uh he i think what they'll do is the the, the the i think what they like about him is the fact that he can cover not only for Lulic and maybe succeed Lulic, but also for Stefan Radu on the left-hand side of their back three because Radu is really good, really important for them, like Lulic, one of their leaders. And yet when he's been injured, they haven't had a left footer um, often in that position, um, which is again why they've been linked with, uh, you know, one of the revelations of this season in Serie A, which is Hellas Verona's um, uh, 20-year-old centre-back Marish Kumbula. James, are they expecting a, um, a battle to keep Luis Alberto at the club this summer? Well, it's curious, sir, because uh, you know he has performed um, so well in, I'd say, two of the last three re- three seasons that it's it's slightly bemusing that he he hasn't got a quote unquote bigger move. Um, he was linked with Sevilla um, uh, last summer, and uh, that was where his kind of head was was at. He was thinking that he he, he might go there, but it's very difficult to get players out of Lazio. Um, I don't want to make the Daniel Levy Spurs comparison, but Claudio Lotito <laughs> is is uh, known as uh, Lotietkio, which means he's he's a bit tight um, in that he um, he's not going to just let you um, walk away for, for for nothing. He wants absolute uh, to maximize the value out of the players that he's called, and they've sold really well, you know, in 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 recent years under him. I mean. You mentioned Luis Alberto, but the, the the same applies to Milinkovic Savic. In that, um, in some respects, Savic has just been completely priced out of the market by by Latito as someone who is supposedly um, a Serbian Pogba who um, who is worth more than a hundred million. Um, you know, I think that's that's very difficult to foresee anyone paying that. Um, but. I don't know whether it's just Luis Alberto not being on many people's radar, even though he's what had 16 assists this season. He's he's broken into the Spanish team, but hasn't established himself as in the Spanish team. Maybe that's another factor. He he wasn't really a part of many of the the Spain youth teams that were winning everything in in Europe uh, as well, which were obviously very well scouted. Um, but yeah, at this stage of his career, um, it is it is slightly strange that no one no one has come in big for him, but. At the same time, I think the big thing for Lazio going into this summer is that they've got Champions League football to look forward to, which they haven't had that for, for more than a decade. Um, so I think that will be a, 
that will be key in, in helping them keep some of their best players. Okay, uh, when we come back, we will be uh, chatting more with Mr. James Horncastle. Hi there, I'm David Ornstein, and I've launched a brand new show on YouTube, Ask Ornstein, where I answer questions from our athletic subscribers. To get your question answered, simply leave a comment at the bottom of my column every Monday, and I'll choose my favourites. To watch the show, head over to the TIFO Podcast YouTube channel, and a new episode will be up every Tuesday afternoon. Okay, we're back. Uh, and now we have two more teams to go before I think we're going to finish today. I'm going to start with Atalanta. Uh, the Paradiselenk uh, from YouTube uh, says, what can Atalanta do to further cement their European place? Um, I think Seb wanted to add to this as well by saying what happens if a couple of guys leave. Was there more to that question or did I just take it right out of your mouth, Seb? No, that, that's pretty much it because this is what usually happens. You, you have a season like this, the vultures descend. Um, and then clubs pick off parts of sides that they don't necessarily know how to use properly but are willing to pay for. I was just wondering if that was going to happen to Atlanta. Yeah, okay, James, how do you think? Well, we've written about this a little bit on The Athletic in that, um, you know, Atalanta have been able to sustain um, being in Europe and regularly getting into Europe uh, for pretty much four years now. Um, you know, they've finished in the top four three of the last four years. Um, and uh, I would say that the, the first breakup has already happened. Um, that was when they, they sold Roberto Gagliardini for upwards of 25 million euro to Inter, um, Frank Kessi and Andrea Conti to, um, uh, to AC Milan. And uh, yeah, then they would sell maybe one or two every year. But I think the big difference um, in the, over the last two, two seasons is they've kept the core together. And Atalanta have such a good academy um, with so many players who do so well either at youth level or on loan at other um, Serie A clubs of kind of similar size. For example, they've sent two players on loan to Parma in the last two years. Last year it was Alessandro Bastoni, the left-sided centre-back. This year it's um, Dejan Kulusevski. And they've been able to sell those play both of those players for more than €30 million. Euro. Um, and they've raised... 100 million um, from from offloading peripheral but very talented um, young players to to other teams in Serie A. And I think when you qualify uh, for the Champions League in back-to-back years and you've got that as well, um, it, it, it means you're more resistant to those vultures that, uh, that are descending as Seb describes. Ultimately, the human nature does come into it um, in that um, some players will have offers um, Gosens, maybe Zapata, um, Timothy Castagna, for example, who's been their alternative as a wing back, can play the side. He's in the final year of his contract, and I expect he'll he'll leave as well. Um, but they're a difficult team to get players out of, and yeah, part of that is the the, the wealth they've managed to accumulate by just overachieving. Um, but the, the other is that there's a kind of real sense of belonging there um, that. Players like living where they live. They like um, they like their teammates. They all get on. They like the manager. Um, there's a there's a real kind of family atmosphere, which I think is really hard to achieve um, in in modern football, particularly when you're a club of that level, where you know clubs in Serie A are so dependent on the churn of player trading, and they seem to have become less and less um, addicted um, to that because of the because of their success. So, I think in that sense, it's actually really encouraging, and also. They've in the last couple of years, when um, you know they offloaded when they when the last kind of let's say Gasparini's first team was dismantled, 
um, that was built on young players that he kind of gave opportunities to from the academy. And what they've done in the meantime is, you know, sort of mainly bring in kind of cheap, but really kind of exciting foreign players. And that's allowed the academy to breathe a little bit. And, um, you know, I'm told that the, the latest crop of players, some, some of whom have already made their debuts, um, is really exciting. So that's, I think that just goes to show why they're, yeah, Alex called them a, you know, the most kind of exciting, tactically innovative team in Europe at the moment. I think this is one of the, they're a model uh, club as a whole rather than um, uh, rather than just one single aspect uh, making them special. James, this isn't a tactical or transfer question, um, but I was on social media after um, PSG Atlanta. And um, is there previous between uh, Gasparini and Astrology's Ramon Dominic that I've missed? <laughs> no, this previous between Dominic and Italy, uh, which you know goes back to... God, an under twenty one European Championship final um, back in the late nineties, um, when yeah, sort of a, I think it was a an Italy side with with Totti and everyone beat his French team, and then obviously in two thousand six, um, the the World Cup final. That that was one of the most misguided tweets. That's I've one of the seen strange things I've long seen. Time. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, the strangest thing since, as you say, he was picking teams based on their zodiac <laughs> sign and proposing to his. <laughs> His partner in 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 a in a press conference. So yeah, not 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 a great look for for Dominic. So are we, are we saying that the nation of Italy is responsible for Raymond Dominic? Just generally, he he is that he that, that he was created by um, this European Championship. <laughs> well, if if I, if that's the case, I don't think it's something that Italy would be proud of. Um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for someone who uh, whose players went on strike at a World Cup and basically sent him out to talk to the media with a kind of uh, a, a demands list. Um, yeah, not 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 great from Dominic. With regards to the Atalanta Academy. Obviously, the, those two players you mentioned, Bastoni and Kulusevski, um, kind of basically went straight off somewhere else, um, having you know had those loans. And this season, although um, Castanier is relatively young, they haven't actually used that many young players or, or given anyone any particularly um, significant minutes. So are those players going to get the opportunity is is a clear out almost a good thing because then some of those players can come through or is it very much we'll send them out on loan with with to buy deals we'll try and keep this current lot together and the academy is more of a kind of revenue raiser rather than a, a pathway to the first team i mean they have given minutes to um hamid Traore's brother for example who's the one they're most excited about uh, Jakob Dariva came on, uh, 19-year-old, what, with 15, 20 minutes to spare in that Champions League game. Ibrahim um, Akoli is another one. Um, but I take your point. Um, and why I take your point is because, yeah, I mean, some agents of, of, of younger players in Atalanta's academy say that, yeah, this this once upon a time was a great club for, um, for getting first team minutes as a young player. But they've become so good. That first team is so good, it's very difficult for... Uh, young players to break into it so you know often they they go down to the second division they get their minutes there you know that's something that happened to Mattia Caldara for example who's just come back from 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 AC Milan um, non-successful spell there it was true of Kessier um, uh, he, he spent some time in the second division Gagliardini um, and then they come back but such is the standard at Atalanta now this is the surprising thing that it's yeah even for a youth team that um 
was stunning in the youth league. Uh, is it still called the youth league? Yes, it is. Um, in the Champions League, um, and was knocked out kind of quite tellingly by Leon in the knockout stages in terms of great great European academies. Um, yeah, they've just won the under nineteen league title in in Italy as well. I think for the second year in a row. So. Ultimately, it'd be great to see those players really establish themselves in the first team. But if they don't, Atlanta know they can probably probably make 30 million out of guys who've only played 30 minutes for them, which is amazing. OK, let's uh, move on to, to Milan now before we finish things off. And James Horncastle, I'm going to read uh, back to you a quote uh, that you once read to oh, me. God. Uh, you said, they have a very complimentary tandem at the moment of uh, Frankie Kessie and Ismail Benassir, but with Lucas Biglia's contract up, they need someone to come in and alternate with those two. And I think they're looking for someone with a versatile profile, someone who can play make, but also get up and down the pitch, play as a number six, essentially, and just dovetail nicely with either one of those players. So uh, you said that to me. I'm now saying it back to you and asking you, who is that person? Do, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> well, I think they want someone more of Kessie's profile than 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 uh than ben says i mean ultimately you know sort of a blend between the two would be great if that's possible to find but i mean they had timu bakayoko um last season on loan from uh on loan from chelsea um and uh bakayoko did okay um uh, and and can uh, basically be that kind of blend um when he's at his best um I would, you know, I would, I would like uh, to to see them sign um, someone of in the Tonali mold, um, but I think that's going to be very difficult for them, just because uh, it's it's very likely that he'll end up at Inter um, instead. But I think Tonali has that ability; he's got that kind of tenaciousness, um, likes to jump into tackles, likes to likes to spray the ball around. Um, looks like Pirlo, but has a you know kind of more Dimitri Albertini. Uh, Daniele De Rossi style to him, um, you know. I would like to see that, even though it's 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 probably unlikely. Uh, Alex, we we've uh, recently released a TIFO video uh, all about AC Milan, which is why we've left into the end of the end of the podcast. There's a there's a whole lot of content out there for for listeners to go and view if they so choose. Um, but I don't know if you want to want to without spoiling too much of it, uh, drop a name or two uh, that, that that you had a suggestion for for this midfield area. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I think actually Lucas Torreira is not a bad idea for that. Um, I mean, in the video we've talked about somebody else from Arsenal, but Torreira I think would would fit in and offer that versatility. Um, I completely agree that Tonali would be a lovely player there. Um, you know, he he offers something slightly different, um, but but it's not. Uh, I mean, there's there's this perception with Tonali because of where he's come from and because he's got long hair. That, that he's Pirlo, but um, I would urge people to read James's piece on, on the Athletic that clears a lot of that stuff up. Um, and theathletic.com forward slash TIFO transfers. That that would be the one. Yes, forty yes, percent off. Absolutely. Yummy, yummy stuff. Please continue. And and also possibly, I mean, again, depending on how much money they have um, and and how much they want to bring in somebody who's a genuine sort of threat to Kessie in terms of taking his first team place, someone like Dennis Sakaria uh, at Borussia Mönchengladbach, um, who has the dynamism, the ability to get up and down the pitch, um, who can cover defensively well, but will also pop up and score the occasional goal. That I think that's probably the kind of guy that they're looking for. But, you know, with a lot of these teams, it's, it's as much about how the team themselves 
see themselves playing. I think that's why, for example, the, the Juve thing was so difficult. It's what makes looking at a team like Atalanta in some ways more straightforward because although they are tactically complex, they have a very clear identity. And I think teams that are maybe a bit more in transition, a bit more still trying to figure out how they're going to balance things, particularly in midfield, it does make it very, very difficult. And I think if you sign someone like Tonali, for example, then that automatically alters the way that you do stuff. You start to then try and create a team around a player of that that quality currently, but also more importantly, the, the future quality that you've got there. Um, and I think that makes it a different set of answers. Zanti Bowser asks for a new striker. No more info than that, uh, but that's what you have to go on, James. <laughs> a striker? Well, what, for AC Milan? Uh, yes. Okay. Eric so, I Cantona. Mean, well, I mean, yeah, is Latana Cantona a figure? That's the. In, that's... Uh, indeed. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. That's very true. Good point. I, turns out I was on point and I didn't even mean to be. <laughs> Look, I mean, they're still in negotiations as we record this with uh, with Zlatan about um, about uh, extending his his current spell uh, with the team. Um, I think uh, Stefano Pioli being uh, keeping the job, I think, was is it, has helped his um, his candidacy in that respect, uh, strengthened his hand um, because Pioli's a big big fan of Zlatan's and kind of uh, appreciates what he's done to kind of help the young players grow at the club because it is a very young team. I think it is the youngest youngest side with Fiorentina in uh, in Serie A. Um, and they also like, uh, they also think Rebic has shown that he can play um, centre forward if needed um, this, this, this season. And there's still more to come from Leao. Um, so, you know, I think, I think a number nine is still something that's on their on their radar but um you know when they've got uh when they've got essentially three players who can play in that position now um rather than rather than just the one or two, rather than just one naturally i suppose it's less of a need than it than it was so um i'm going to dodge that one <laughs> okay fair enough uh, alex no dodging no dodging um, I think you've got two aspects to consider here, one of which I am going to dodge um, because I have a sensible reason for it. Well, no, I think I think what Ibrahimovic does isn't just add a, a strong striking presence of a particular kind, but he's the sort of player who even now does have a kind of transformational ability on a squad. You know, his his yeah. work ethic is extraordinary. His leadership is is very high. Um, he is uh, an inspirational character to younger players um, and I don't know that that is replaceable actually um, I think it's really really hard to find someone like that if you want a sort of Zlatan light though um, not that would anyone want a Zlatan light I don't know I think um, the whole point is that he's not light but yes I, I take <laughs> yeah, your point sure yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so Strasbourg who are a team who I have lots of mini crushes on players at Strasbourg. Um, they have a guy called Ludovic Ajork, um, who is the closest thing I've found to a Zlatan style striker um, <laughs> of anyone. He's six foot six. Um, but Which martial art did he study? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but he's he's got that kind of deftness of touch, the creativity, the ability to do something slightly out of the ordinary or, or bizarre he's not a kind of quintessential target man despite his size um and i think he's a really interesting striker um strasburg are the kind of team 
that quietly produce really, really good players and don't actually get necessarily noticed all that much. So I'm going to continue to bang that drum. Okay, well, you bang away, and uh, we'll we'll end over here. Uh, that's uh, thanks. Thanks very much for, for, for everyone's time. Thanks for everyone to listening. Of course, a quick reminder that you can get forty percent off a subscription to the Athletic by visiting theathletic.com forward slash tifo transfers uh, to read all of James's work. Thanks, James, for coming. A pleasure. Good. That's nice to hear. Uh, and uh, thank you to to Seb. Thank you very much, Joe. And to Alex. Thank you, Joe. Uh, I'm back next week with three more episodes. What I don't even know when this is going out, actually, or what, what week. So, but there's non-stop. It's all happening. Everything's happening. Goodbye. <laughs>